and welcome to the Women's Show. I'm Deb Anderson here with you until 2 o'clock with the finest of music performed by women. And we were just listening to some Ella Harp, who is our interview uh, person today, uh, Vic Valverde, who's going to be doing the interview. We listened to, uh, starting with uh, the album, Who Asked You Back? We listened to It Ain't Working. After that, Screaming Into the Void, from, title track from Screaming Into the Void, and then ended with Bittersweet. And Vic, I'm going to hand it over to you. And Ella, hopefully you were on the line. She there? Hello? Hi. Hey. Oh, she's there, there she is. Okay. How are you? <laughs> pretty good, pretty good. Um, let me just do a little introduction here. I am, uh, I tell you, I am so very, very excited to be talking to Ella Harp today. And uh, I tell you about um, several years ago when uh, when Who Asked You Back first appeared in our library, uh, I was kind of intrigued and listened to it, and I was completely knocked out by it. And ever since then, I've been a very big fan of uh, Ella's music here. So uh, we are going to have an interesting talk with her, I hope. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> okay, and uh, I'm. Later on, I'm going to make a connection between you and me, something we have in common, but I'll, I'll tell you about that later. Um, okay, um, let me start right here. Uh, you are the granddaughter of Gordon Jenkins, composer, uh, arranger, conductor, who worked with such luminaries as Frank Sinatra, Louis Armstrong, Judy Garland, Nakin Cole, and so many others. Um, your grandmother, uh, whose name was Beverly, she sang a funny song called Crescent City Blues. And uh, Johnny Cash turned that into Folsom uh, Prison Blues. Isn't that correct? That is correct. Yep. You, you've done your research. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, there's a lot more here. Uh, your grandpa, Bill, from the other side of the family, he was a saxophonist, band leader. And for many years, he was a notable, led the band at uh, Disneyland, the Carnation Plaza. And I remember going when my folks going there, but I was just a whippersnapper. And uh, oh, yeah, there was this. No way, that's so cool. Yeah, that was a. I remember this band playing. I wasn't into the music, but yeah, I remember them playing. So I probably saw him. Uh, and also, that's the, so cool. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think, according to what I read, that the two they eventually met each other and they had a mutual respect for each other, and uh, as a result. Uh, your grandpa Gordon's youngest son and grandpa Bill's youngest daughter get married and became your parents. They sure did. They skipped the married part, but they did have me. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's, I just kind of surmised that, but, uh, Oh no, it's all good. Okay, I just, no. I, it, was, it was just the subtext. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, uh, also your dad was pretty interesting. He was a sports writer for the San Francisco Chronicle. And I believe that he was also interested in surfing. Is that correct? Yes, he's a he's a fantastic body surfer. Okay, and um, he's very um, always been super interested in just the the sort of surf scene. So he's done a bunch of writing about surf stuff as mm -hmm. well as sports stuff, sort of melding his interests. Did you ever get interested in that yourself? I'm sorry, what was that? Did you did you get interested in surfing yourself? 
Oh, surfing, no, not with a board, but I body surf as well. So oh, okay. that's sort of the uh, the family the family angle. My little sister and my older sister both body surf mm-hmm. as well, and my mom body surfs too. So yeah. we're we're more of a body surfing family than a surfing family. I prefer sports where the inevitable end is not falling. <laughs> <laughs> and so you have two sisters. I actually, well, I think we have three sisters. I have uh, oh, okay. two half sisters, one half sister on my mom, one half sister on my dad, and then okay. uh, my mom's husband of many, many years, my stepsister, um, his, okay. his daughter, she's. So technically I have three. <laughs> We're a very okay. American family. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I, I'm going to ask you pretty the obvious question. How did you get interested in playing the harp? That goes to my mom. She she had a, a catalog. It was called Music for Little People. <laughs> and it was like a little hippie catalog. And they had a tiny little harp that was, you know, just yeah. effectively like a glorified um, toy. But okay. she bought it for us because she thought it was cute. And she wanted us to have, you know, early exposure to different instruments. And so uh, we used to watch Jack and the Beanstalk. And there's a, a harp in the version of that so we used to take uh-huh. this poor little thing and like try to tie it onto our backs and like smack into door frames and stuff <laughs> um so we had it for a good period of time in childhood i think my older sister was maybe like one or two when my mom got it and it was mm-hmm. before i was born wow. and then we had it for a number of years and eventually there was a homeschooled girl that came into my elementary school at the time and played the harp and so my mom happened to be there that day and went up to her mother and was like where is your teacher <laughs> but we lived in the in the mountains in southern california really uh-huh. kind of far away from a lot so she drove us nearly 100 miles there and back every friday for eight years wow that's that's an insane amount of miles just to find the teacher <laughs> but um, i know it's crazy you <laughs> know well i actually grew up in southern california myself so Oh, nice. Yeah, this was Fraser Park to Pasadena. So oh, not okay. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know where that is. Yeah. Um, now, you got interested in a little bit more traditional music, and uh, but you also had some popular favorites of your own, didn't you? I'm sorry, you broke up for a second there. What was that? Okay, you uh, got interested in more traditional music, but you also developed a, an interest in more popular music, right? Like who, oh, yes, yes, yeah, I did indeed. Like who in- influenced you? I mean, I started out playing classical music, which Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people do, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's obviously, it's stunningly beautiful, but you, there's a lot of um, complexity in classical music and you really have to care a lot (laughs) in order to to make it sound really good. And what I found out is that when you don't care that much, it sounds pretty bad. And I, I realized that instead of, you know, kind of beating myself up for not meeting what I thought were the standards I should be able to reach. I kind of just ascertained that I really wasn't actually, I didn't really care enough to make it sound as beautiful as it, as it should have. So yeah. I kind of turned towards more traditional music because we'd had, you know, just varying CDs and things that kind of lied around the house and mm-hmm. Irish music and things like that and traditional, more traditional stuff. We had a, a Norwegian flute album. We had all kinds Ooh. of random stuff. We'd go into Borders at the time, like the bookstores, and we'd go into yeah. the world music section and just buy all these different CDs and then, you know, get, <laughs> we'd be singing with the Norwegian flute music, which, you know, most kids had no idea what we were talking about. We're like, you know this great Norwegian flute music? They're like, no, <laughs> we don't. Oh. Um, but we had a lot of sort of interesting sonic influences mm-hmm. and I think the traditional side of things just definitely seemed to click more in my head. It seemed more rhythmic and more kind of predictable, which I liked a lot. It also yeah. seemed easier. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was sort of more my, my interest there. But uh, there's a wonderful harpist. You probably know her music, Lorena McKenna. And she yes. is just, she was definitely my my uh, my sole harp inspiration. But I just thought 
she was the most amazing person and we, we listened to her music constantly, constantly. And she, you know, had a really wonderful way of taking traditional content and, and you know, putting electric guitars behind it and just giving mm-hmm. it this sound that you don't usually expect. So I was very inspired by how much she changed the expectation of the instrument. And I think yeah. that I, as I kind of went forward, I was just trying to emulate that in my own way. Uh-huh. Yeah, I like a lot of a lot of her stuff. Yeah, that's great. Uh, what about like any like pop music or, or rock music that you you might have listened to? My mom listened to a lot of, and I say what my mother listened to because we listened to what my mom listened to. <laughs> we didn't listen to you know. I mean, of course, you heard on the mm-hmm. out when you're about and everything, but popular music at, at the time of my childhood was definitely not something that my mother was interested in having us sort of listen to at home. So if we were out yeah. and about, you hear whatever you hear, but at home yeah. we listen to what she listened to. So Joni Mitchell and Bob Dylan, Donovan, oh, yeah. you know, sure. the birds and the turtles and the monkeys and the beetles and, the, you know, everything <laughs> sort of yeah, in there yeah. and Joan Baez and mm-hmm. just everybody that we could, that we could glean off of. So lots of really sure. quality folk music. Mom was in the pop, it's Peter Connery. That yeah. was, goes on. We, we listen to a lot of good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, in all of that, you've uh, eventually found yourself going to the Royal Conservatory at uh, Scotland. What inspired you to choose that of all places? You know, it was cool because I was trying to figure out what I was going to do, you know, because mm. you're, I, I felt a lot of, I didn't particularly want to go to college, but I did feel a lot of pressure, you know, just sort of societally mm. that it was like, oh, well, you know, you go to school and then you go to college and, you know, it sort of seemed like what what I should do. Um, but if you want to go to college in the States for harp, um, for music in general, mm-hmm. um, but definitely it seemed at the time for harp, it was, it was mostly classical. There were a few jazz programs mm-hmm. and I think there was one, there's something in a couple of different schools that were sort of had more of a focus on, on, um, more alternative sort of music and more traditional kind of stuff or like Celtic yeah. studies, if you will. But, yeah. um, everything seemed a little bit too vague for me. And um, at the time, one of my teachers worked at, at CalArts and they had an exchange program with the RSMD. It's now the RCS, the Conservatory of Scotland. But at the time, it was the Royal Scottish Academy of Music and Drama, mm-hmm. <laughs> which just okay. sounded so cool. It had <laughs> royal in it. I was definitely sold on the name. Oh, um, yeah, but they were good. sort of trying to work out an exchange program between the two schools, which I think mm-hmm. was in place for quite a while. Could even yeah. still be. I'm probably not very up in touch with either of them anymore. But um, anyway, the the man that ran the, the program, the traditional mm-hmm. Scottish music program actually came out and it was sort of like a very last minute. I think, I think my, my older sister plays as well. I think she found out about it like maybe a few days before. And so, um, her teacher was like, Oh, to my older sister. She was 17, 18 at mm-hmm. the time, I believe. It's like, Oh, you should try out for this thing. And, you know, of course it was just thrown on her. She had no time to repair and really wasn't sure what they were after. So it didn't end up turning into her future. But by the time, you know, I had all these years then to be like, Oh, well, I know that school exists and that would be awfully cool. <laughs> so I just kind of put yeah. all my, my mind's resources into how I could make sure. this thing happen. So mm-hmm. it was the only place I applied to. Thank God they let me in. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you returned to the States, did you have any, a better idea of what you wanted to do or just still no clue? You know, I mean, I knew that music was hopefully going to be part of sure. everything. You know, you go to school for it. You, it's not the least expensive thing in the world, so you want to try and make something of it. But it's it's definitely difficult. I probably tried on and off for seven or eight years to try and make my living really kind of full time with music. And yeah. I, when I got home, I started writing music. I'd, I'd written a little bit while I was in college, but I really started writing like a lot, which kind of surprised me because 
I previously didn't think that I w- was able to write songs because I didn't write them the same way that I'd seen other people write them. So I thought mm-hmm. that you wrote lyrics and then you wrote music to lyrics and then that's right. how you write a song. But turned out for me, I sort of just started playing and then whatever words I said came out and then later I'd be like, oh, maybe that's what this means. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, it took it took a long time to get to get there. But eventually it kind of, you know, I wrote the songs, but I hid the songs and singing mm-hmm. wasn't really something I felt comfortable doing at all. So it took many, many years for that to be able to kind of come to the forefront. And I still feel like a fraud most of the time because people are like, oh, how did you learn how to do this? I'm like, well, <laughs> I just kind of went on a stage and told people I could sing and then started singing and then hope nobody brought tomatoes or like rotten vegetables and threw them at me. And so far, I've never been hit by a rotten vegetable. So I must be doing kind of okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Um yeah, now, of course, uh, we, we've talked about this. Well, we want to talk about this. You built your own harp, and uh, it's much smaller than the natural, the normal wooden harps. And uh, in your case, you built one that's small and light and enough to travel anywhere, right? That was the goal, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. And your boyfriend helped you because he's a metal fabricator? Something like yes, that. Yes, he's a, a wonderful metal fabricator. So around, 20, I think it was around 2015, mm-hmm. um, I was kind of looking at, you know, how feasible it would be for me to kind of go harder into the music side of things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, I was very inspired by the people that can take a guitar and put it in the overhead bin and then go wherever they're going and have their instrument with them. Yeah. And that's actually why I started playing the banjo was when I first got home from college. I was so over the harp because I played it for so long and I, I busted on street corners in Scotland to make my living. So I was just exhausted of music in general between having to do it because you have to make money to eat and then also needing to do it for school. Yeah. I was pretty, um, you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was kind of too much for me. So I think that writing music on it was kind of like my my escape from the general sort of way that I played the harp in the past. And then the banjo was, was as a means to, to be able to travel with something. But around 2015, I started looking really intently for a small harp I could travel with. And yeah. unfortunately, I am really cheap. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm generally dealing with artist budgets. So, you know, I yeah, don't... Yeah, I know how you that know, is. You look at these different harps and think, well, maybe this would work, maybe that would work. But they were all so expensive. I really didn't feel like I was emboldened to try anything because it'd be such a massive investment. And if it didn't quite work for what I wanted to, you know, mm-hmm. I wasn't going to... You know, I was going to be stuck with this thing and that was going to be discouraging. So I started um, kind of sketching up what I thought would work and I drew it out on cardboard and then I drew it up on this kind of plastic what have you so I could see the frame of it and there's not very much like information for heart online but I did find like a string calculator kind wow. of other things so anyway yeah mm-hmm. it progressed it took a long time but we made one and then uh, we made two others and the first one was really unfortunate <laughs> but it did sound like a, like an instrument once it was strung I had to change a lot of things I used yeah. you know material that was way too thick and kind of had to change a lot of different components of it but the second one was definitely more promising but the hardware I used was pretty cheap mm-hmm. just uh, to kind of get the idea out and see if it would work and then the third one was terrifyingly expensive because the hardware for these things is I think the levers I use are like even at the time like 11 or 12 dollars each you know and you got 29 uh, of them and then you got mm-hmm. have skinning pegs and all the other things that you need pitch pegs and such so um, it definitely was was an undertaking but thank goodness that one actually sounds like an instrument and that's the one I'm still playing now um, I have new designs for a third one or a fourth uh, one I fourth should one. say but oh. haven't quite but, gotten uh, to it yet but the one you're playing right now it just sounds ac- absolutely excellent I mean, I don't Thank know. Thank you that's, so much. Yeah, I'm so proud just, of that thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Change gears for a little bit. Uh, you know, you're kind of into that 
DIY thing. So, but you also built your own house, and I was kind of impressed by that. I actually watched the video tour several times. It was just very oh, entertaining. Nice. <laughs> yes, yes, I did. I did build a house once. Um, uh-huh. When I was in music school, yeah. I, you know, was trying to figure out how I was going to make my living living in California playing playing music, you know, and it seemed yeah. to be more and more unlikely. But thankfully, I found out about tiny houses, which are little uh-huh. tiny structures you can build on movable uh, foundations. So I built uh-huh. mine on a 719 foot car hauler trailer. And then I lived in it for in a horse field for five and a half years, which made uh, my sort of theory was that if I couldn't make a lot of money, then I could spend almost nothing and it would be almost the same thing. <laughs> so that was the, sort of the impetus behind the tiny house. It was really just to fund, slash not fund my tiny existence. <laughs> wow, wow. And its current location is, uh, I believe, in Half Moon Bay. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it lives. I don't physically occupy it any longer, but um, it's 120 square feet, which mm-hmm. I found really perfect for eating and sleeping and sort of all the basic type sure. things. But unfortunately, my my interests are uh, have spread a little wider than the tiny house. So my oh, okay. I really got into sewing. So I bought a sewing machine, and, and then sure. we're making these harps, you know. So there's like three harps hanging from the ceiling, and then mm-hmm. the sewing machine table, and I had to cut my fabric in my car, and it was. It would have been perfect if I had just had a workshop, but as it uh, turned out, uh-huh. it moved to a different space. And I live these days in about 350 square feet or so, which has much more space for me to cut my fabric and mm-hmm. uh, do all my other hobbies and such. Mm-hmm. Are you still in Half Moon Bay? I am, yes. I live just a few miles down the road. And then the tiny house is actually rented out these days, which continues oh, okay. to afford my existence. So oh, that's great. Turned out to be a pretty smart choice. <laughs> so uh, speaking of which, and this is the connection here. I actually lived out in that area for, you know, about a year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I realize that uh, a lot of different Californians have no idea where that is. Even if they, you know, unless they live like in Bay Area. It's like, oh, yeah, it's that little area down there, you know, down south. Uh, But I actually lived in Moss Beach for about a year. So that's just right. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm... I'm calling you from Moss Beach right now. That's where I live. <laughs> oh, Moss, you're in Moss Beach. Oh, yes. I am in Moss Beach. Yeah, yes. that's so funny. Oh, my gosh. I know. That's Isn't that cool? Um, that is so cool, especially because, Mar- I mean, you know, there's Moss Beach, Montana, there's, yeah. there's Hassan Bay, there's Miramar, all the little smaller ones. But, like, Moss Beach literally has, according to the sign that they haven't changed since I was 15, according to the sign, there's 400 people in Moss Beach. So just for anybody listening that's going, <laughs> oh, of course they live in the same yeah, town. It's like, yeah, well, there's 400 people in Moss Beach. <laughs> that's about how big it was when I was, I was living there. Uh, anyway, wow. I, I had a chance to go back there and visit, and uh, uh, last time I drove through there, there was this tunnel from Monterra into like towards Pacifica. I was kind of psyched. It was like, whoa, before you had to drive all the way around it and the slide, you know, dirt would come off and then we'd close the highway and you had to go the long way around off 92. Oh gosh, I remember those days. Yeah. Yes, that was exhausting. And it's crazy. Now you just go, you just go straight through a tunnel. Yeah. And then you're there. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you were talking about. so cool that you lived here. Wow. Yeah, I did. I have a lot of fond memories of living there. It was great. Anyway, you said you thought we were talking about uh, you sewed your own clothes, make, and you also make interesting jewelry. Isn't that correct? I do. Yes, I'm. Everything really ties back down to me being very cheap, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but having unfortunately specific taste. So okay. the problem when you are cheap and are specific is you better learn to make your own stuff because yeah. it's kind of annoying to people to be consistently like, I have no budget and I want this really specific thing because nobody really has any time for that. So uh, the best recourse 
is to learn how to make your own stuff. So, okay. yeah. Um, yeah, I, I uh, just kind of made jewelry and clothes as I, as I need them so that I don't mm-hmm. have to buy them because... Yes, unfortunately, I have these these expensive tastes and this very small budget. So I have found a way to make things affordably that I like. And these days I can also, you know, I bring my jewelry with me to my shows these days Mm -hmm. and get to kind of see where those all go out to different people. So it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I I can't help thinking that uh, some of your music is like... You know, even though you're out on the West Coast, it seems almost very suited for uh, the people who live here in the Midwest. It's like, oh, I hope sometime she ever comes out here. That'd be great. Oh, yes. Well, I actually am coming out there. I don't think I've actually had a chance to to reach out to Twyla and let her know, but I am actually yeah. going to be playing the Kansas City Music Festival, or Irish Festival, I should oh. say, in September on Labor Day weekend. Wow. I'll have to make a note of that. Um, so let me just talk a little bit about your music. Uh, like I said, I, the first first thing I heard was, of course, who asked you back, and uh, that when I after I heard that, it was just completely knocked out. Just wonderful harp playing, this very bluesy, soulful voice coming out. But I felt like, you know, this is very honest, very heartsy, and really emotional. Yet it's just kind of just very sparse, and it's just kind of changed my way of thinking, you know. And so, you know. I couldn't help but just playing some of that stuff on my show. So, yeah. So glad to hear that. Thank you so much for playing it. It's oh, yeah. It's such I an honor it. to be, have people in, in radio that, that want to hear my music. That's just the coolest thing. Yeah. You know, last spring, about right about this time, was when the last time well, we spoke to you. And I think at that time, I think Shotgun Sadie was out. It was, uh, yes. Uh, it was a great new single. Like, oh, wow. That means an album is. Coming out pretty soon. Okay. So, and then, what was it, September? Streaming in the Void came out, and uh, one of the things you use in there is that little banjo, which I call the ukulele banjo. It's like, it has such a cool sound. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I built the banjo as well to fit inside the harp case so that everything mm-hmm. can kind of rush and dolls itself in the overhead bin. But, yeah. yeah, it was really fun to kind of bring the banjo into it. It's funny because I've... I've written songs on the banjo since I started playing it, which ironically is like 10 years ago, which is crazy because I've, I, I've learned, I learned six chords like in the first few days. And <laughs> I was an amazing banjo player for about a week and a half. Oh, okay. And then I just straight plateaued for the last 10 and a half years. But, mm-hmm. um, but I've written so many songs on it and I actually wanted to put a couple of banjo tracks on Who Asked You Back, but mm-hmm. um, it just kind of never ended up working out. And <laughs> I was, I, I think I even recorded a couple of them, and mm-hmm. my engineer was like, "Yeah, that band doesn't sound that good." And I was like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> we scrapped it." But okay. it's kind of fun to have to have it on there. I'm actually working on on my third album right now. Wow. I'm uh, in the recording yeah. process. This one's going to mm-hmm. be almost a fifty fifty split of of banjo and harp song. So you guys yeah. can get a lot more of a little twangy, okay. <laughs> little well, twangy banjo. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you about one of the songs, which is actually my favorite on "Screaming Into the Void." Um, and I have some ideas about it. Uh, my favorite one on the album is right near the end, Black Road. And I wanted to ask you about that, but uh, the insp- my total inspiration for that. Yeah, Black Road was <laughs> was a crazy one. It was, um, so I had recorded most of my album mm-hmm. um, in the beginning section of 2020, which I was very, very grateful for. Um, I recorded basically all of it. It was supposed to come out in the summer of 2020, which, haha, a lot of things were supposed to happen in the summer of 2020 that did not. not. Uh, Spoiler alert. 
But anyway, I had I was on my second trip back from Los Angeles, back up to the Bay, and I was very close. I was on 85 in Mountain View getting onto 280. Yeah. Um, and I got in this crazy car accident, and my truck hit the guardrail going 70 miles per hour and slipped, and I got hit by another car while I was still inside my truck wow. trying to get out. And it was just this, like, very harrowing, very, like, instantaneous experience where mm-hmm. I you know, walked out away from this very crazy situation, wow. as did my instruments, as did just about everything else that I cared about that I had taken on that trip. Yeah. And it was just a really bizarre time frame because, uh, you know, you look the same. Mm. Everybody sees you and they'd seen you a couple of days before and they go, oh, hi, you know, like, how was LA? And you're like <laughs> a completely changed person because you had this crazy experience. But yeah. I didn't have any really obvious physical injuries. So it was mm-hmm. very hard for anybody to know you know and then you tell them and they're like what like i just talked to you yesterday i'm like yeah well (laughs) that happened right after that like it's it's just crazy how fast everything happens you always hear that but when you're in something like that it's just it's it's and it's fast and slow at the same time but Mm -hmm. anyway it was really a a sort of changeable experience for me and a couple days later i just took my banjo that had not died in the car accident which was crazy and my my harp and everything, everything was fine. And I drove down to the beach and just sat there and it was freezing. Mm. It was like, I don't know, probably, you, you know, the kind of cold, yeah. Yeah, I know. blustery, foggy days. And I just sat on the beach in a place I never sat at and just like, like I walked on the beach and then just sat down the second I got there and just wrote that song because there was nobody out. So yeah. I had plenty of time to kind of crank it out. But yeah, mm. it was about, <laughs> about some heavy stuff, but... Yeah, I'm really, I'm, you know, I, yeah, glad I, I made it on the album. Yeah, I, I kind of heard from Twyla about uh, that you'd had some kind of accident, but I just thought I would ask you about it because I can tell from the way the song is written and just the way you play it uh, that there's just a lot of intense emotion about it. It's like, oh man, this is intense. And uh, I don't know. I hope I hope I'm not uh, going in the wrong direction with this. But you, would you feel that to maybe writing that song was kind of a catharsis for you? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I tend to look at, at everything that I write in life as if you can write a song that you like more mm-hmm. than the thing that you went through, then <laughs> it all works out. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of have to juggle it. So when you know, unpleasant things happen in songwriters' lives, they're not necessarily, mm-hmm. I mean, for, for me, it's funny. I'm not necessarily writing about things because I have to write about things. I'm writing about things as like a therapy tool because yeah. I need to make something good come out of it. So if I can get a song out of it and I, I like that thing, then, you know, then you, you have something that you can at least take forward going going through it with you. But, yeah, it was such a funny time because it was the 17th of February, 2020. Oh. And I was I had to play in the Noise Pop Festival, which was like I was opening for this amazing Australian band called Hollow mm-hmm. Cove. Mm-hmm. And it was just like it was one of the bigger weeks of my of my career and it was so disorienting because you know i had to operate a vehicle i had to get a sound check mm-hmm. and i had to you know be a person for like a week and a half and it was so stressful because i just felt like all i wanted to do was you know hide under a blanket and like put my head in the sand and not have to do anything or go anywhere and it was actually kind of ironic timing because you know literally if two weeks later it was like well it's a global pandemic the world's shut down you can't go anywhere <laughs> and okay. I was like wow it's actually pretty decent timing for me <laughs> okay well it looks like we're uh, running uh, close to the end here uh, so I think the thing I you know 
I mean, you can't just go out and say, oh, well, where, where can I find uh, Ella's music? He says, well, uh, so let's let the people know how can they find their mu- your music? Absolutely. Well, you can find it on Spotify and Apple Music and all the, the streamy sites. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look up Ella Hart, it's one word. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I can, I'm on Instagram and YouTube. I'm trying to make more YouTube videos about uh, creative stuff as well. Mm-hmm. I've just recently started editing my own music videos, so that's been fun. And then wow. I got, got a, a new phone that takes really good footage, so I'm trying to make more creative videos as well. So yeah, I'm out there making stuff in music if there you look you up Ella Hart. <laughs> Yeah, and one of the, uh, you know, in in uh, ex- you know looking for some of that music uh, and some of the videos, I did come across a interesting cover that you did of a uh, whole play song Sparks. That was kind of cool. Yes, I actually that was through, there was this English company that uh-huh. reached out to me and they were having people record covers, but it was funny because I had to pick something and I was like I don't like any of these songs and then that it's just such a beautiful song it's, it's actually funny yeah, I, I very is. rarely listen to my own music but I listen to that because it's not my song <laughs> I like it a lot <laughs> yeah it was it, it was great so looks like we're uh, out of time here Ella but I've just really enjoyed talking to you here thank and, you uh, so I, much for having me on this has been delightful yes and yesterday I played uh, Screaming Into the Void on my show to, to get ready for today Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, oh. I hope that maybe when I'm out in September, I can maybe I can make my way over to Nebraska and, and uh, that would be wonderful. I mean, uh, we have a studio here and it'd be lovely to have you play live in the studio. And I would just I would just flip over. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would love that. Let's definitely be in touch. Thank okay. you so much for having me on. Oh, thank you so much, Ella.